So I, I usually drink a lot of coffee. Um, I often drink a lot of coffee. Uh, this morning, Brenna got here and uh, was going to give some coffee to a police officer out there, but she gave me some of this coffee. And man, that is strong coffee. It's amazing coffee. Like, I'm like jittery right now. Um, so I brought some water up here, hopefully, to hydrate a little bit in the middle. Um, because halfway through the song, as I was starting to feel, which takes a lot of coffee for me to feel jittery, because I drink, I'm not even going to give you a number, a lot of coffee every day in the mornings at work. So bear with me. <laughs> Have you ever thought about the importance of, of words? Just the, the importance of the words that we speak. Not, not just public speaking ability or, or the ability to be articulate. Not about that, but of the actual words that we use. Like this, the combinations of letters in the English alphabet that we put together to, to form words. Have you thought much about this? Because words have a ton of power. Power for good, power for bad. Just think of these words and how much meaning is packed into these words. That you are fired. Meaning that impacts individuals, impacts families. Think of the impact of a president speaking words about we are going to war. Or as he speaks words about certain laws, just the impact, the ripple effect of those words. Maybe more positive, a wedding. Think of those words that I do. Just two tiny little words, three letters. But how much meaning is there? And I know that each one of those statements, each one of those sets of words, there's more to it than that. There's thought processes. There's decisions that are made before those words are spoken. But it's the words themselves that, that hold such like gravity, such weight, and they're very, very important. And as I, I was reading the passage this morning, which we're going to read in a minute, I just kept coming back to this idea, that this truth that words matter. Words matter. It's the words we say, they matter. And that's really the biggest point this morning, is the words that our tongues formulate, the words that we speak, they matter. And what I want to do is just, I'm going to read through probably eight or ten different sets of verses. Not in, they're not in James, where we're going to be in a little bit, but it's words kind of throughout Scripture. And just think of these words, because these are things that were actually spoken. They're not just things that were recorded but things that were actually spoken. We start off in Genesis 1 and 2. You see, we see God speaking things in emotion, God saying things, and every one of those things starts out with, and God said, and God said. Listen, verse 126. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then we see Genesis 3, 4 through 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. Luke 1, 30-32 And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. John 14, 6 Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Luke 23, 1. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. John 19.30 When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, what does this have to do with James? Don't you see, like, the words that are said have such weight to them. These are some of the most important words in all of eternity that we read here. God spoke and it was cre- and things were created. Satan spoke and then sin went rampant. God spoke and hope was given. Jesus spoke and truth became reality. Like all of this is huge. Our words, the things we say matter. And we can't act as if the things that we say don't matter because they do. I'm going to read James 3. 1 through 12. But as we read this, James, I believe, is going to say much of the same thing. Our words matter. Our words have power. Our words hold weight. Having the ability to build up, having the ability to tear down, having the ability to glorify God, having the ability to lead people towards Jesus, and the ability to push people away from Jesus. The words we say are important. Let me read James 3, 1 through 12. James says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are, though they are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and the salt water? 
Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Sorry, I'm like literally jittery. Like, you, you see like what James is like, talking about like the power of words. Power of words. He's, what is he talking about with the tongue? He compares it to bits in the mouth of horses, the, the rudders that steer ships, small flames that then consume whole forests. Talking about this little thing, this little thing in our bodies that holds so much power. So, real question. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever said something that you wish you had not said? As expected. Like, if we're honest, if we are honest, I think that every single person would say, yes, that has been me. Maybe this was said to a boss, maybe it was said to a coworker a spouse, a parent, a sibling, a child, maybe a stranger. <laughs> if we're really honest, most of us would probably raise our hand for all of those examples. Maybe some of us would raise two hands. But look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. Like, in, in a way, it should be comforting for us, knowing that, like, we all, it says we all stumble. As James, he's kind of lumping himself into this as well. We've already seen earlier on that I'll point out in a second. Is that everyone stumbles with what they say, with the words we choose. We all have those moments. Maybe some more than others. We all have those moments. None of us are that perfect man that James talks about. Because it says the perfect man is able to control his words perfectly. None of us have that claim. He says, like, we as mankind, we've figured out how to tame all these creatures. All these creatures. Yet we can't figure out how to tame this little thing inside of us. We, we all have these moments where we say something that maybe it's not gentle or not wise or not grace-filled. And I think you begin to see this as sanct that sanctification process goes on and on throughout the course of life is, I think that's one of those signs is, the, is how we're able to control our tongue, control the words we say. But wh why do you think this is so important for Christians? Remember, James is writing to Christians. He's writing to these Christians that have been scattered. And what's James been talking about? Talking about like, what it looks like to, to live righteously. What it looks like to, to not just be like this fake religion, not just be this thing that we talk about, but faith that, that works, faith that does. It's more than just hearing, it's about doing. 
It's about living out the Christian life. And it only makes sense that he would include what I believe to be the most powerful part of our bodies. Again, just notice what he's comparing the tongue to. What he's comparing this power to. He says, he talks about the, the bits in the mouth of horses. He says, we put bits, this is verse 3. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. An adult horse from Google, well, Google says that an adult horse weighs between 1,000 and 2,000 pounds. A Clydesdale weighs upwards of 2,000 pounds. We went to the Christmas parade yesterday and saw the Clydesdales walk by. And I've seen them multiple times, um, but never on ground level, like standing looking at them. Massive. Massive. Like, I, I was shocked, really, seeing them kind of march by because of just their size and, being, and making very clear noises too, yes. But mankind has figured out how to control a horse with a bit, a little piece of metal that is just a couple inches long. With this bit, horses obey, they turn, they stop. This tiny little thing can control this giant beast weighing upwards of 2,000 pounds. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Like, imagine the size of a military battleship or imagine the size of maybe a, a Disney cruise ship. Like, imagine the size of these giant ships. But the thing that controls them is so much smaller. It's a little piece that no one ever sees because it's under the water. But those things are probably the most important part of the entire vessel. I read a story this week about, it was World War I, the, the British Navy. Um, they, were, they had one of their biggest destroyers sunk and were then going in pursuit of the enemy who, who sunk the ship and as they caught up they could not hit the ship with their torpedoes or their whatever they were shooting at them but they finally connected and they didn't connect on the full boat but they connected on the rudder and that enemy ship could only spin in circles in the middle of the ocean because the rudder was damaged a short while later that ship was on the bottom of the ocean and all they hit was that small rudder on the back of the ship like these small things, whether it's a bit in the mouth of a horse or a rudder that guides these entire ships, are so important, are so powerful. And he's comparing this to the tongue. And in turn, really, our, our words, what we say, the ways we use our tongue. On, as, as we look at this passage, I didn't even really emphasize the first verse because it's kind of terrifying to do so. But look at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we will 
be, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. As we first chose James, we Tanner and I both kind of like, I wonder who's going to end up with that, with that verse. And I thought I had it worked out that it wasn't going to be me, but obviously it didn't pan out. But why, why is James saying this? James is identifying with those teachers. Remember, he's, he's, a, he's a pastor of a church. He says, Now many of you should be teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It seems a little scary for anyone who's in a position of teaching the Word of God, whether it's from the stage, whether it's with the children, whether it's with any different setting. As you teach the Word of God, why? What does it mean? Why would we be judged with greater strictness? What is that talking about? And this isn't necessarily a comprehensive answer to that question, but just think about it. Like people who teach, Knowing that the words are important, knowing the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue both for good and for bad. Teachers are given a platform, right? Maybe not a physical platform, we don't have much, but a platform where our voice is heard. Teachers are, are, are then instructing others, teaching of truths. Others are, are listening. Like, just by the nature of the position alone, teachers have this emphasized opportunity to influence others. Just a brief example is trying to contrast the two different situations. For someone who isn't a teacher, maybe it's someone in a one-off conversation, our words are powerful. So we have, in an individual conversation, an opportunity to hurt someone, to offend someone, to hurt someone with the words we say. Absolutely. Like, a ton of damage can be done in relationships with people using words. But then to contrast that, like, me right now, talking, I don't, don't know how many of you are here, with, with my words, with my words, been given a platform here that could impact a lot of people. Pastors across this country, across the world, in platforms where a lot of people are listening to the words being spoken. Those same words that I could speak are then going to be potentially listened to by others, maybe on podcasts or or whatever other method all like three other people that might listen to ours, but like there's, imp- there's further impact that can be had. Like a pastor speaking in front of others because of this platform, like these few words could change the reputation of a church. These few words could impact others' view of Jesus. These few words have such opportunity for impact. Like knowing the power of words, knowing the power that, that our tongue has in the, in the words we form. James is saying, like, not many of you should be teachers. Not many of you should be in that place where you have impact over large groups of people or, or really others from this position. Because the tongue is a powerful thing. 
strong influence, strong impact. And most of what I've said this morning, I feel like has come across as a way of, of warning almost, of James warning what the tongue can do. And trust me, like, I feel this too. I mean, as the one talking about further, or like, what's the, what's the actual, I don't want to get it wrong. Greater strictness. It's terrifying to be the one saying this. But as we talk about this, the power of words, that, that goes for all of us. The words we say. I, I keep going back to what James said, really, in his introduction to his letter. James 1.19. He's introducing this letter to the, church, to, the, to the people. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I kept really like dwelling on this this week. This, those three words, slow to speak. Now, far from perfect in this, but I was thinking about this a lot this week. Of what does that look like at home? What does that look like at work? What does that look like at church? What does that look like when I'm driving? What does that look like when I'm in other relationships? Slow to speak. As we think about the power of words, I think this should cause us to really pause, to to reconsider why it is that James says we should be slow to speak. And are you slow to speak? Are you slow to speak? Or are you quick to speak? Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Within each one of us is this object, is this member that it compares to a deadly poison, full of deadly poison. Within each one of us is this object, this member, that there's such danger, there's such power. It sounds like it's talking about a weapon full of deadly poison. Are you slow to wield that weapon? It sounds different when we put it that way. Just when you don't say just slow to speak, but also slow to wield that weapon full of deadly poison. Do we think of our words that way? Back a a few years ago, I took a handgun carry class um, to get a handgun carry permit. And here's what they taught in this class. As we were going through it, it was, if you pull out a gun that you are carrying, if you pull it out, you have to be prepared to actually use it. Like, if you're not prepared to use it, then you don't pull it out. Like, that was clear right away. If you pull it out, then you have to be prepared to use it. And then going one step further, 
They said, if you then pull it out, and then you pull the trigger, you have to be prepared that that bullet will kill. If you pull it out, you have to be prepared to use it. And if you pull that trigger, you have to know and assume that that bullet is going to kill. It's like this great responsibility. Great responsibility. Because when you carry a weapon, there is responsibility. That gun could wreck lives, could wreck families. Whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental, that weapon can impact others. Our tongue is a deadly weapon, full of poison. It was say, set on fire by hell. Then why are we so quick to speak, so quick to fire off, so quick to say these things? What would it look like for us to wield that weapon, to wield the tongue and the words we say with the same kind of responsibility that we would if we had a gun? Like we live in a time and a day where it's, there's so many avenues, so many opportunities to speak quick, to respond quick, to comment quick, to tweet quick, to get your thoughts and comments and suggestions and complaints and all that out there in two seconds. You've got Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. There's news on all the time. There's text messages. Nearly everyone has some kind of device in their hands, some avenue, some platform to speak. And thinking of just the being slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak. Like I couldn't not say this. Because I think that this same passage, looking at James 3, looking at James 1.19, that this same emphasis should be that we're slow to voice our opinions on social media. We're slow to post. We're slow to comment. We're slow to complain through these platforms. Slow to speak. Because I think that in 2019, like we should be just as careful with the things that our fingers type as we are with the things that our mouth says. Because the words that we say, whether they're with our fingers or with our mouths, I, I think it's a really a revelation of where our heart is. Because our words reveal our hearts. Like the words we say and where we are in our heart, like those are just not disconnected. If words are harsh, if words are continually filled with anger, if words are continually full of gossip and slander, it's more than just a word choice problem. I think it's a hard problem. And I really think that's what verses like 9 through 12 there at the end are getting at. Like if our lips, our words are full of blessing and of curses, of treating people one way and then worshiping the next day, if that is the case, then there is a heart problem. There's a disconnect. Look at what Jesus says in Mark 7. 20 through 23. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, 
What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Like, what comes out of us, what is in us, then comes out, and what that is, it's a reflection of the heart. It's a reflection of where we are. And there's no quick fixes to this. There's nothing that we can just decide, okay, I'm going to do things differently now. Like, if there's a hard condition, look at, David says this in Psalm 51. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Like, it's the heart that needs fixed. It's a heart condition. Like, words matter. Words matter. I cannot emphasize this enough. Emphasize this enough. But it's a heart condition. And again, it's not something that's just a quick fix. That we just wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm going to start using nicer words, or I'm going to start having a better attitude. I'm not saying that we can't make those things a priority and make those a focus and, and want to be more controlled with the words that we say, the attitudes we have, the, maybe the attitudes that, that are behind our words. Like, we should make those an emphasis. But this is not an external fix. It's not just a word choice thing, but it's a heart condition thing. It goes back to what Jesus was saying in Mark 7. It's a reflection of our heart. I mean, it sounds... It's, this is a ridiculous example, but if you have an apple tree that only produces rotten fruit... Only produces rotten fruit. The, the, the fruit is awful. It stings. It's good for nothing. It does zero good to go to the store and buy fresh apples and nail it to that tree. Like, it does zero good to nail fresh apples to a rotten tree. Like, it does no good. Why? Because the issue is not the rotten apples themselves. The issue's in the root. The issue is, is much deeper than merely the rotten fruit. So we can try to just say better words or be kinder, which we very well should. But it's deeper than that. Because with no heart change, with no heart fix, it's just a mask. It's just this attempt at an external fix. We've already said, everyone <laughs> raise their hands. Like we've all said the things we wish we wouldn't have said. We wish we all take certain things back that have come out of our lips at some point in our lives. And but like knowing this, this knowing this, knowing that we all fall short in this area. James already said, we all fail in this. But this is exactly where we can lean in to the hope of the gospel. As I say all of this, as, as we read this, some of you might be convicted because of certain things you've said in your life, certain ways you've hurt people, certain things <coughs> that have come out of your lips, that have come off your tongue. Others, others of you might be thinking of all these ways that other people's words have then hurt you. Many of us maybe 
thinking of both of those, like wearing both of those things right now, thinking, I have hurt people with my words. I've been hurt by words. What do we do with this? But as, as we think of these things, as we think of our sin and how we sin with our tongues, as we have been sinned against, like hear God's provision in both of these areas, in the ways that we sin and the ways that we're sinned against, Because everything changed once Eve believed the lie that Satan said. Because those words, as Satan said, you will not die, that lie, full of poison. Everything changed. Sickness, death, tears. They all brought this sin into the world. But Satan does not have the last word. Like, Satan does not have the last word. Because while he spoke in the fall, God has continued to speak and speak and speak louder and louder and louder. We saw the story begin in Genesis. We just spent nearly a year walking through Genesis. How God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Isaac. God spoke to Jacob. God speaks to... almost said Joshua. Joseph. Then we see God speak to Moses. We see God speak to Joshua. We see God speak to and through the prophets. But all of these were God speaking, God pointing everything towards the coming Messiah, towards the Savior of the world, towards the baby that we sung about this morning. For over, for hundreds of years, this was God speaking with his words, these promises of a Savior. And get this, we said words matter. Words matter. And it doesn't get better than this. The first chapter of John, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God And the Word was God. The one to come and to to heal our hearts. The one that would come and save us from sin. The one that would come and provide forgiveness for sinners. This one was called the Word. The power of the Word. This Jesus was from the beginning, was God. He is now the hope the hope for our sinful tongues, the hope in the ways that we've been sinned against. He is the hope. And he finished it with his word. Three little words. It is finished. It is finished. Like, he completed this. We can be forgiven for those words that we spoke, that we raised our hands and said, I shouldn't have said that. He has provided forgiveness. Your failures, your imperfections, your sin. Like there is forgiveness because of Jesus. There is forgiveness because of the Savior that was sent into the world. In the beginning was the Word. This week of preparation has been full of me thinking about my words, thinking about things I've said, thinking about looking back over my life, things that I've said that I'm like, that was sin. 
I was not slow to speak. I was very quick to speak. The tone I used in my words, the emotions behind words, I've been thinking a lot about this. And I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been thinking about this even over the last however long I've been talking. <laughs> maybe you've been thinking about words you've spoken, words that have come out of your mouth. That tongue you feel like has been full of deadly poison. But no, like there is forgiveness. Like that is, Jesus has come not to bring just condemnation, but grace, but salvation, forgiveness. Like he has done it. He has died on behalf of sinners. So we're not we don't no longer stand condemned. But at the same time, maybe as we, we read these things, we see this in Scripture, maybe there's also forgiveness from others that you need to seek. As we said, our words have such power for good, power for evil, power to build up, power to tear down. Maybe you need to go to someone, whether it's something you said accidentally or intentional. Like scripture would have you do this. Maybe it's someone on the other side of the world. Maybe it's someone in the church. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker, a spouse, a child. Like thinking through the mercy and grace of Jesus, I would encourage you to do this because words have power. Power to tear down and to build up. And I hope as we look at James 3, we continue to reflect on what it means to be slow to speak, quick to hear, the words we say, the words we type, the words we text, the words we record, the words however we speak. Because people that have been changed by Jesus, people that have been saved, we're going to continue, continually be changed, continually be transformed in the image of Jesus and to speak the words of Jesus. And I just want to close with the words of Ephesians 4.29. Kind of the, the flip side of not just, be, not just a warning about the power of our words, not just a, a warning about the damage our words can do, but then a command. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And this has been my prayer this week. This is what I continue to pray, that as the church, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that as we ponder, as we think about our words, the power of our words, that every word that comes out of our mouth would be good for building up, that would be loving one another, would be encouraging one another, building one another up, would be used for good. Let's pray.